Anyway, appreciate prayer and God helping us in that way and answering prayer. I often try to take the time to reflect on the prayers that's answered. I, uh, where was it? I read somebody had posted, I guess, uh, a little uh, historical clip about um, George Mueller, and uh, he actually had a prayer journal, uh, and he would write, uh, in a part of the journal, he would write the prayers that God answered, and I think it said that he, he had he seen over 5,000 prayers answered uh, that he had there in his journal, and many of them were answered the same day that he prayed them. <laughs> so uh, he was just a man of faith in prayer. And, of course, a lot of his prayers were on the behalf of uh, the children that did, the children that uh, uh, in the children's homes that he uh, that he built. And, uh, and, you know, nobody, thank you, he didn't have any kind of, um, like, monthly type support. It was just... You know, as God would send, he didn't put out any, any, um, <sighs> campaigns for, for support of the, of the orphanages. He just prayed and God just answered prayer on his behalf. And so, um, and I've got other books by me and Ian Bounds. Um, I don't know much about his background. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's written volumes on prayer. I like Brother uh, Hanley Milby's. I've mentioned it before. Uh, his uh, book on prayer is two words, do it. <laughs> and so, you know, just pray. Just, you know, getting that uh, relationship. I like the, like I said before, John Jackson, uh, just a blind man. And he just talked to God like I'm talking to you. He had that kind of closeness with God. Reverence, reverential but he just talked with God. And uh, um, the Methodist circuit riding preacher, uh, Sheffy, um, they did a movie, Bob Jones University did a movie about him, uh, and he just talked with God. He had a fleece that he would pray on, and, uh, and uh, so a prayer rug, if you want to put it that way, he had it on his saddle, he pulled it off, just get out in the woods in his circuit riding, and uh, just pray and talk with God. And um, when, you know, like I said, John Jackson, we, when he just stood up that one time, I mean, I about, I mean, I just didn't, I just didn't move because it was just God's presence was there. He just said, God, this is John. <laughs> and it was as if God took the lid, took the roof off the church and said, yes, John. I mean, he was just there. It was, it was real. I'm just telling you. It was real, and so uh, to have that kind of closeness and re- you know and relationship with God is a desire that I have, and hopefully, and I have for our church. Let's put it that way, and we can keep up with answered prayers, you know. And uh, it wouldn't hurt to have a prayer journal. I might I think I've got I think I've got an empty book, an empty journal that I can start maybe doing something along those lines in. So let me do that. All right, so we are uh, looking again in our study on the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. 
So we were under the proof of, of uh, so we're talking about the nature of the Holy Spirit, the personality of the Holy Spirit, the meaning of it, the proof of it. So under the proof of it, there's subpoints here, the necessity for the proof, and then sub-subpoints, because as contrasted with the other persons of the Godhead, the Spirit seems impersonal. Because of the names and the symbols of the use of the Holy Spirit, there are suggestive of uh, impersonal, such as breath, wind, power, fire, oil, and water. And then because the Holy Spirit is not always associated with the Father and with the Son in the, situ- in the salutations and greetings of the New Testament. <clears throat> so that was the necessity for the proof. Because again, not because of the impersonal symbols and the imper- and he's not always mentioned in the salutations, then people have a tendency to, to not see the Holy Spirit as a person. But then it goes, proof of the Holy Spirit's personality, and it's masculine personal pronouns uh, applied to the Holy Spirit, uh, the associations of the Holy Spirit with other persons of the Godhead and individuals, and then personal characteristics ascribed to the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're at right now. Oh, yeah, personal characteristics. Okay, I think we wound up finishing. We did. We wound up finishing the personal characteristics, and we're starting with the personal acts, A-C-T-S, ascribed to the Holy Spirit. So under the personal characteristics ascribed to the Holy Spirit, intelligence, will, love, goodness, and grief. And that's where we ended last week. So now we're looking at the personal acts, A-C-T-S, the personal acts of are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is represented as a personal agent performing acts attributable only to a person. All right. So 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians 2, verse number 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Here's the personal act. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So throughout the... See, he searcheth the deep things of God. So that is a personal act. All right? So something that somebody does. He speaks. Revelation chapter 2. And verse number 7, Revelation 2, 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So the Spirit speaketh. All right, he saith. Hear what he saith. All right, he speaks. The Spirit is also spoken of as crying out in Galatians 4, 6 and as bearing testimony in John 15, 26. So he that speaketh, he is crying out, and then he that bears testimony. He makes intercession. And I just was praying along those lines there, thanking the Lord for 
Jesus Christ's uh, mediation and intercession on our behalf and thanking the Lord for the Spirit's intercession on our behalf. And, and uh, Romans 8 and verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit in itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Let's go ahead and get the next one. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Those times of prayer, those times of deep-seated grief, and sometimes you just, and not necessarily grief, it can be a direction and you just don't know how to pray but you know that you need to pray and you can just, sometimes you just literally groan. But um, sometimes you, you, know, you just can't put words to the feelings that's in your heart in prayer. And the Spirit of God can take what's in your heart and translate that. <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> translate that before, to the throne of grace. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he maketh intercession. He teaches, John chapter 14. I think we touched on these verses last week. John chapter 14 and verse 26. <clears throat> but the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And I find that so true even in my life today. And, uh, you know, more and more the Lord just helps me. Uh, I mean, um, you know, I'm not... I've never, never been. I know men that can and do and uh, just be able to memorize passages of Scripture. I can, I can't, but oftentimes I can just, you know, as I'm going along and it's not written down, so the Holy Spirit will say, this is where you need to go and put it all in there. And so whether it's in the preaching when I'm standing up here preaching or whether it's, you know, in conversation and the Holy Spirit will say, go here, you know, and give them this reference. And it will bring things to my heart, bring things to my mind. Again, what he's saying is, he said, he will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said. And where has Christ spoken to us? He said, this, is what he, this is what Christ said. And oftentimes, the Spirit of God will just bring to our remembrance some passage of Scripture, some, some you know, reference in Scripture that we can use you know, toward the people that we're talking with, whether it's in a, in a personal setting or, you know, even whenever I'm up here preaching, there's times that, you know, the Lord, and I'll just uh, turn over there and go to that because the, the Holy Spirit is actually doing what he says he'll do there in verse number 26. He's just guiding me in what Jesus has said in his word, okay? He is the word and he guides us in the word in that. So he, uh, he teaches us. Let's go ahead while we're there. And grab um, John chapter 16, verses 12 through 14. Uh, 
So I have, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and, and shall show it unto you. And then... Nehemiah chapter 9, way on back here, Ezra, Nehemiah, Job, or Esther, Job, uh, Nehemiah 9, and verse number 20, Nehemiah 9, 20, Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, with, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gavest them water for their thirst. I know it's a small s in that verse, but it's still referring to God's spirit, and He gave the, uh, God's spirit to instruct, to teach. All right. So then He leads and guides. Back to Romans chapter eight, like Brother Glenn said. There's a whole lot about the spirit in Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. Let's see here. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So he leads and guides. And that's exactly what Sister Debbie's asking about this tonight. To be led of the Spirit, to, to seek as she seeks the will of God in decisions. I've, I've been praying, and I pray that he's praying that way. I've been praying for Chris and Marquis to be guided, not necessarily to the vehicle they want, <laughs> but to the vehicle God wants for them. I know a pre I mean, I just talked with him the, the other day, a friend of mine, preacher. He's got back problems. He's uh, been a heavy uh, equipment operator, and it's messed up his back. And he's not finding much relief of these these days. Anyway, there's something that reminded me of him, and I reached out to him to let him know I was thinking about him. But uh, but he, uh, you know, he had some experiences of buying things, vehicles, out of the will of God. And uh, then I think the Lord let him do a couple of three sixties down an ice laden interstate and um you know wrecked the van and uh and after that i mean he was adamant i'm not buying nothing until god till i pray about it and whether it's a vehicle or anything he he's he god was working in his life to really seek god in decisions decisions we think oh god doesn't i don't need to bother god with that well you're not bothering god with that just like many of you have, you know, gone to Brother Glenn, whether it's buying vehicles, I know some of you have, and sought his, uh, his wisdom in how to do, you know, how to go about some of that. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, just like, you know, I have just sought God, uh, you know, about certain, I'm sorry, certain, my dad and Brother Hall and certain things that I faced, I sought counsel, and you know, in in that, my son uh, Philip just uh, he teaches Sunday school, and oftentimes 
he reaches out to me as he's studying. And he said, Dad, what about this? Is this saying this passage of Scripture saying what I think it's saying? And so we'll have that discussion. And then, you know, he sends, he sent me this last time that that happened, he sent me back a little text and he said, you know, I appreciate you being there to answer my questions. You know, so like we would seek counsel from our uh, either an elder, uh, our elders, or somebody that maybe has got more expertise in a certain field. We should seek God that way, you know. You know, He will guide us and He leads us, and we, you know, we ought to seek Him just like. And I know we went this before, but uh, and I've said it before and used this crap scripture and we're not and we'll do it again but oftentimes I find myself having to be reminded (laughs) of this trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding because we get ourselves in trouble (laughs) in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths I know that we were there, and and you know there they was talking about a house, and just, uh, slow down. Let's pray about this thing. All right, vehicles, houses, what to do in your future, how to go about doing whatever the Lord wants. Not our own understanding. We can seek wisdom and counsel of of you know those around us, but let's ask God about it in in private. You know. We, we, we find out in private, we pray in private, secret, he'll reward us openly. And so, um, just, you know, sometimes you just, I mean, it's okay, like I said, to get men's advice, but see God. That's what he says to do, so let's just put it to practice. So, and he guides us and, and, uh, te- and leads us. So, see further, Acts chapter 16 In verses 6 and 7, Acts 16, 6 and 7. Now when they had gone throughout Persia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, and the, but the Spirit suffered them not. So he led them. He, he prevented them. They wanted to do this, but God said no. Sometimes God says no. And then right after that, he says, they seen the vision. They went to Macedonia. Okay, they had the Macedonian call. Those those towns that we just read later on in the scripture, you see where somebody went to those towns, but it wasn't Paul. The Holy Spirit said, "No, I got some uh, another place I want you to go." And so, uh, so anyway, he leads us, he guides us, uh, and then he calls and commissions men. Acts chapter thirteen. I like this one. <laughs> And I preach this one often and have preached it through the years. Uh, Brother Plato Shepherd was the first time I'd heard you know, preach out of this. And uh, it's really, really tremendous as far as missions goes. I want to put it that way. But Acts chapter 
13, verse number 2. Let's just read verse number 1. Now, there were in the church... There were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and uh, Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So I've heard a lot of preachers that say that says God will how do they put it? Uh, God will prepare. Uh, anyway, I've seen just the opposite right here. They were preparing. They were ministering to the Lord and they were fasting. They were already working. I've heard it that way. And I've heard it, you know, where people's, you know, basically just sitting on, on the stool of do nothing and God calls them and prepares them. No, according to this, they were ministering. They were already doing a work. And then God called them to, to go and do. And so anyway, so God, the Holy, through the Holy Spirit, calls and commissions, okay? So he called them. And then, of course, we see the church... <laughs> actually laid their hand on them and sent them out. So I've, I've preached it where God calls the church commissions or the church lays the hands on and sends them, uh, even though they the presbytery, if you want to put it that way, laid hands on me at my ordination service. <clears throat> that was when I still was endeavoring to go to Scotland. But at my ordination service, the presbytery, just the men of God, the other preachers that sat on my ordaining council, laid hands on me and prayed when I was sent out of Island Ford Baptist Church. I asked Pastor Shepherd to have the men, if they would, as a church body, not the men that was on my presbytery, but as a church to lay hands on me and send me here. You know, a commissioning from that church to this church, if you want to put it that way. So, so... I've heard it that way done, but this is the call and the commission can also be attributed there as we've seen to the Holy Spirit. Verse number under the same, uh, oh, here's the commission part. Yeah, under the same uh, heading there, he calls the commission. We've seen the call in Acts 13, 2, and the commission here probably in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28 Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. All right, now, okay, so take heed therefore so the, church, the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers as a call and a commission attributed to the Holy Ghost. Then... Uh, that was he makes intercession. He got he got, uh, leads and guides. Where are we at? A F. Where's this at? Okay, back up. So D E. So un, that was all underneath uh, the personal acts ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Now, now under this one. Is personal treatment received by the Holy Spirit. Personal treatment received 
by the Holy Spirit. He is rebelled against and grieved. He is rebelled against Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah 63 and verse number 10. Let's back up. Uh, let's go to verse number 8. For he said, Surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their Savior in all their afflictions. He was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and vexed his holy spirit. Therefore, he was turned to their to be he was turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. So they rebelled and vexed his holy spirit. Of course, this is familiar. In Ephesians chapter 4, see further, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. Ephesians 4 and 30. Okay, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. So he can be rebelled against and he can be grieved. And I think, you know, that's that's another thing too. We, you know, a thing about the believer and where a lot of people will um, a lot of people will <sighs> argue you know that uh, talking about being led by the spirit it tells us by our own will, if you want to put it that way, whenever it says walk in the Spirit, it, it, it's, it's implying that we have a choice. Okay? And we do have a choice. We can seek Him to be, and we can be, and we can be pliable in His hands. We can be movable as He leads us. We can look to him for leadership and, and, and be sensitive to his guidance in our lives. But then we can also, we have a free will. We can rebel against him. He says, go hand that person a track. Well, I'm not going to hand that person a track. They got tattoos from their head to their, their feet. They got grommets in their ears. and They got a gazillion piercings in their face. You know what they look like? And, and, and looking on the outside, you know, a lot of us are turned against what we see. But the Spirit says, there's a soul that needs to be saved. Go hand them a gospel track and invite them to church. And you say, no, I'm scared for my life. <laughs> and you don't. You have just rebelled against the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, you can grieve Him. Not obeying him, not obeying his guidance and direction. My my brother Hall, like he said, he testified of talking about his vehicles. He uh, he he just he's like my grandfather in a lot of ways. My grandfather would trade cars about every seemed like about every twelve months, sometimes sooner. It just seemed like that way. 
definitely about every 18 months, Papa was getting another vehicle. Same, same used car lot, same used car salesman, and it's just a constant thing with him. And Brother Hall, he liked them Buicks, and he would just get in his mind. In fact, today, I'm, we were driving down here with him and Sister Hall. He can't drive. But we pulled, <laughs> we was getting gas, and he seen this Cadillac Escalade. He's like, ooh, Douglas, <laughs> look at that Cadillac. <laughs> And he said, I should, and Mrs. Hall gets in the car. Mrs. Hall, look at that Cadillac. I think I'm going to buy me one of them. Like, Brother Hall, you have need of that. Like, you need another hole in your head. Okay, so, I mean, it's just one of those things. He's that way. And so he's seen this little red Buick Regal on the lot. Brother Hall did. And he said, I'm going to buy that. And Mrs., you know, Mrs. Hall saying, we really don't need it. Whatever reason he had in his life was like, Brother Hall, you know, or, or Gary, we really don't. But Brother Hall set his face toward it. He went and bought that car, and he was going to have that car because that's just what he wanted. He was going to go get it. And he said, as he pulls out of the car lot onto the road, the Holy Spirit says, you shouldn't have bought this car. And he knew it the whole time, but he did it anyway. And it wasn't too awful long that a young teenage driver pulled in front of him and they wound up T-boning the Mercedes that he was driving, the daddy's car. And, uh, of course, it was a teenager's fault. Pulled right out in front of him, but it totaled the little, the little Buick Regal. And the Lord said, I told you, you shouldn't have bought this car. So from then on, Brother Hall was a little slower about buying cars and getting God's will on it and God's understanding on it. We can, we can rebel. We have, a, we have the ability to go against the Spirit of God and His guidance and His leadership. So we can rebel just like the children of Israel did. And we can grieve the Spirit, as we just read there in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. So the personal treatment received by the Holy Spirit, He, re, he is rebelled against and greed. He is lied to, Acts chapter 5. We know this story, Acts chapter 5, and verse number 3. Let's just pick it up in 1 since we're right there at the beginning. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Ananias say, or but Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back a part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that heard these things. So the Holy Ghost can be lied to. You see the consequence of that, <laughs> at least in Ananias' uh, uh, stead there. He can be blasphemed against. He is blasphemed, Matthew 12 
Yeah. So he could be tempted. <laughs> and then Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 and 32, said he can be blasphemed against. Matthew 31 and 32, Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And, huh? Oh, yes, definitely. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. <laughs> Right. said there's no getting beyond that when it says it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world neither the world to come Right, right. 
And even before the movies, it was the, like, play theater, you know. And, uh, you know, the history really, you know, behind the theater, if you want to put it that way, theatrics and, and so on and so forth. It's never been a, and actors, has never been a good, a good thing uh, through the years. And I've, I've had my part in plays and things like that, musicals back in high school. All right, so he can be blasphemed. He is, so that was the last thing on the E, personal treatment received by the Holy Ghost. He, can be, he is rebelled against and grieved. He is lied to and he is blasphemed. Now these statements and then the doctrinal statement and then a statement, doctrinal statement, other statement, and then we're done for the evening. So Webster says that to blaspheme means to speak of the supreme being in terms of impious irreverence to revile or speak reproachfully of God, Christ, or the Holy Spirit. To blaspheme thus is clearly impossible unless the object of irreverence is personal. We're talking about the personality of the Spirit. So to blaspheme fire or the blaspheme breath or the blaspheme wind and those impersonal words used for the Spirit is one thing. But to blaspheme a personality, you know, a person, then that attributes some personality to the Spirit of God. So then it says the doctrinal statement here: by the use of personal pronouns, by personal associations, personal characteristics possessed, uh, possessed, personal actions performed, and treatment received, the Scriptures prove the Spirit or the Holy Spirit to be a person. And then, uh, then it says, Theor- theoretically, we may believe this. Do uh, we may believe this? Do we, in our real thought of him or in our practical attitude toward him, treat him as a person? Do we regard him as indeed as real a person as Jesus Christ, as loving, wise, and strong, as worthy of our confidence and love and surrender as he? He came to be the disciple. He came to be to. He came to be to the disciples and to us what Christ had been to them during the days of his personal companionship with them. John fourteen sixteen seventeen. We do know the communion and fellowship of the Holy Ghost. Second Corinthians thirteen and fourteen. So. In the office of comforter, if you want to put it that way, when I leave, Christ said, when I go, Christ will send. Okay? And that same, just like John the Beloved, I know we're John. John the Beloved put his head upon Christ's chest, his bosom. He laid his head in his bosom and he was close to Christ. And, and having that personal closeness with Christ as he was here on the earth, then that comforter that is now indwelling in us and that we can lie to, we can grieve, we can blaspheme, but uh, we can, uh, what is the other one? Lie to, grieve, we can be led by and we can reject, we can rebel against. We can resist. 
him. And so, so it really should grieve us when he's grieved. Um, some of our most intimate relationships is with our spouses. And it should be that way, by the way. <laughs> Although I, I, I was reminded of, and even though we're miles and miles away and we don't get together that often, just something about when my brother comes around, we can connect. My wife can't understand that connection. His wife can't understand that connection, but we just connect. We've got some things that we've went through and we've shared together in life where we connect. And there is, so when he says, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, my brother and I connect, okay? And so we have that connection there. And so there is a connection uh, uh, uh uh, an intimacy, if you want to put it that way, between me and my brother, between me and my spouse, and it should be between us and the Spirit that way. Look, I'm just saying, the old saying, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. When you grieve your wife, then things just not right at the house or vice versa. The, 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 the fellowship is broken, the cold shoulder is just not good at the house, okay? Well, the same thing, we should live, be that close with, with God, the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. When he leads us, we, we should seek his guidance, okay? It was perfect tonight. We seek his guidance and he leads us, and then we say, no, we're not going to do that, Um then that grieves him. And then that, that relationship, the closeness, the fellowship, the, it's just not right until we get right, just like it ain't between you and your spouse until you get right. Then it's sweet when, when things are right with you and your spouse. But when it ain't sweet, it ain't sweet. It's ugly stuff, all right? So, yeah, so, yeah, so the same thing applies. He's, he indwells you. <laughs> He can comfort you, he can lead you, he can guide you, and in that, we should be pliable, leadable, we should be, you know, we should be sensitive, that's a good word, to his guidance and to his, because we, don't, we should be cognitive of the ability to grieve him and just really be careful not to grieve him, to... to, to uh, nourish that relationship, just like we should nourish the relationship with our spouses, okay? To nourish that, to draw closer, to find the, to, to, to learn of each other, you know? And um, so, so there's that, and, and uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate this here and how that we can just, like it says, we may uh, do, but with the question here, do we in our real thought of him, talking about the Holy Spirit, or in our practical attitude toward him, treat him as a person? There's a question we can leave with tonight. How are we treating him? Oh, is he just somebody that, you know, you know we talk about Jesus all the time, but we, we fail to realize that the Spirit of God indwells us and guides us and directs us? Are we sensitive to his guidance and direction? whether it's a gospel track or whether it's, I mean, like one person 
had a ministry, uh, like a girls' home ministry. They're driving down the road. They're driving a 15-passenger van just chock full of girls in a girls' home. And the Holy Spirit says, pull over, you know, really strongly. And he pulls over. And so, like, you know, he looks at all the gauges and everything, and he gets back out on the road, and the Holy Spirit says, pull over. And he pulls over, and that time he gets out and walks around, and he looks, and he can't see anything physically, checks his gauges again, and everything that he knows to check, and he gets in and puts it in drive again, gets out on the interstate, and the Holy Spirit says, pull over. And again, he minds the Spirit of God and pulls over. And that third time, the tire blows out. Boom! When he's sitting still or going really slow on the shoulder versus when he's doing 75 or 70 or whatever it was down the interstate with a van loaded full of... But see, the Spirit got it and he listened, not... But, of course, then he reasoned. That's what happens a lot of times. So, but the Lord, you know kept him from and them from harm because he did listen to the pullover. Three times he listened. It got stronger each time, he said. But God, you know, and that's the, that's the relationship we should have with the Spirit of God. We should be that sensitive to his guidance and direction, regardless of what he tells us to do. And I can do some checkup right there myself, all right? All right, I appreciate you tonight.